Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 20. So in this episode, I'm going to have a look at your email. Well, um, I'm not going to have a look at just your email. I'm having a look at everyone's email. We're having a look at email. What's your relationship like with email? Is it good? Is it bad? Do you feel like you're in control? Or is your inbox a bit like the digital equivalent of Mount Everest? So in this episode, I'm going to do it in two halves. The first half is going to be about how I feel about email and why I think it's something that's worth addressing. And in the second half, I'm going to give you 10 solutions to help you get better control of your email. Now, if you're already challenged and you know that you'd like to get more control of your email, I'm happy for you to skip to the second half and get straight into solving the problem. But if you don't have a problem or you're not sure why you should take the time to review how you look at email, then I think it's worth having a listen to the first half. So, part one, why should we think about changing how we manage our email. In 1989, a guy called Elwood Edwards pressed the record button and the play button on a cassette recorder in his living room and he said this into it. You've got mail. In the US, that became the sound for AOL advising us that someone had sent us an email. And back then, it felt like good news, kind of almost regardless of what the content was. In the UK, we had this. You have email. As I said to Andrew in episode 17, that's Joanna Lumley, that is. I know which one I prefer. But back then, it was an event, wasn't it, to get an email? You were almost proud to get one. Today, well, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Did you know that the Radicati Group estimate that in 2017 there are 269 billion emails sent worldwide every day? Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes it feels like they've all been sent to me. You have email. You have email. You have email. But if you estimate that each of those emails takes, I don't know, 10 seconds to read each one, that's 31 million working days every day with people just reading emails, not doing anything else, just reading the emails. And then once you've read it, you've got to do something, haven't you? So, you know, it could be anything from uh, sending a lol back to deleting it, or it might be a six-month project. So if you assume an average of 30 seconds for each email to be composed, read, replied, processed, well, that time scales up to 93 million working days every day. So we may look back with fondness on the world of You've got mail. But it's a fact of life that email is here and it's what people use. And even if you don't like email yourself, we've got to find a way to deal with it. Now, people think that personally, I don't like email. Actually, my view isn't, it's not quite that. What I don't like is how email is abused because of its convenience. And the convenience is nearly always for the sender. There's an element of, I need this thing, so I'm going to put it into your to-do list today, 
regardless of what you've got on. In fact, I'm not even going to check what you've got on. I'm just going to press send because it's important to me. Email transcends the lines of hierarchy and it ignores what's important to other people. And frankly, they're often badly written. And I'm not being elitist when I say this. The people that have been trained formally on how to write well, those people who are educated in it, frankly, they're in a minority. The rest of us, and I say us because I've had no formal training, well, we've just got to work it out for ourselves. Have you noticed that no one ever puts on their CV, I'm really good at sending emails? The majority of job descriptions, they don't say anything like, must be able to manage emails effectively, and yet we're just expected to use it, manage it and get by. So why should we take a different approach? What's wrong with how we manage it? I think the problem is that most of us have come up with a way of dealing with email or not dealing with it, and we get by, but I think it could be a whole lot better. I think one of the important reasons is time. Most of us have jobs or we run businesses or we do something in our day which we get an income from. We're paid to do something like manage people, or sell stuff, or make stuff. We're not paid to read emails. And yet, if you look at the research, apparently, we spend between two hours and six hours a day just reading and checking email. And even if you think those are exaggerated, if you take the lowest estimate there and halve it, so let's say it's an hour a day in total, that's still five hours in a working week, 20 hours a month, 30 days a year, just reading email. And all the time we're doing that, we're not doing the thing that we should be doing, the things that we're paid for or that we get an income from. According to the Harvard Business Review, the CTO of Atlantic Media did some research into the cost to his business of the time that people spent on emails. And he was surprised to find that the cost to his company was the equivalent of buying a Learjet. So why should you give it some thought? Well, I guess it depends on your perspective and I also guess it depends how many emails you've got in your inbox right now. So let's say you get 30 emails in a day. If we stick with our estimate of taking 30 seconds to read it, think about the action, maybe respond to it or file it in a folder, not doing the task itself, just processing the email, that's 15 minutes a day, an hour and 15 minutes a week, five hours a month, just pressing the buttons. If you get double that number of emails a day, then that's 10 hours a month. So now we're into more than one working day every month. And that's if you're efficient. So why should you want to do anything about it? What's wrong with having a thousand emails in your inbox with a mixture of some read, some not, some urgent, some that you don't know if they're urgent until you've read them, until someone's chasing a response? Some are important, but you don't know if they are until you've read them and then decided that. Let me ask you a question. If these were letters, would you leave a thousand letters sitting in your letterbox, some opened, some not? A thousand might sound excessive, but 30 emails a day only takes a few weeks to get there. So I think the things we can gain from getting a little better at managing emails fall into three areas. The first one we've already touched on is the time element. So imagine if you could get back one full working day a month or even half a day, what could you tackle that you currently don't get round to? 
And then there's the stress element. How long is it before someone significant, like your boss or a customer, comes chasing a response? What are you going to say? You didn't get the email? Well, we've all been there, haven't we? The third bit for me, and I think probably the most important, is the being in control bit. If you go back to our philosophy here, we talk about sharpening the saw. Taking time to get a little better, because if your saw is sharp, not only will you cut the tree down faster, but wouldn't life feel a little bit better by being in control of something instead of it controlling you? Now, I've managed to solve this problem for myself, and in part two, I'm going to share with you how I've done it. The solutions there, they're not complicated. Uh, To use David Allen's phrase, they're advanced common sense. They're a combination of some stuff from GTD, uh, some stuff from a guy called Merlin Mann, and some other techniques that I've learned from people who are far cleverer than me. So I'm going to share 10 tips. Each one individually can make a big difference. But if you combine them all, you could get to having an empty inbox every day. Now, it's up to you how you want to use them. You can steal a couple from me or you can do the whole lot. Whichever approach you take, I've learned that the benefits of that clearer mind, knowing what you've got on, no surprises, one less great big job nagging away at your head, makes things better. So before we get on to the tips, I just want to talk to you about um, how to clear your inbox. It's not critical but it might be a good way to start as you mean to go on. So to clear a great big inbox, you've got a couple of options. The first one is the most radical. You just delete them all. Now that sounds painful, but in reality, is it that much different from having them sitting in your inbox? If you ask yourself the question honestly, when are you really going to have a few hours to sort them all out and clear them? Is that really going to happen? Now if just deleting all your emails is too radical, then you need to process them. What I recommend you do is to sort them by sender. So sort them by who they're from. It's called batching. And that way, what you can do is you can then pay attention to the ones from the boss first or an important customer first. You can delete all of the automatic emails, all of the rubbish that you get in one go. Be ruthless. It might take a while, but it would be great to clear them before you start the process. Incidentally, when we're talking about the rubbish emails... If you get emails from companies who are sending you spammy stuff, stuff that's of no interest to you, take the time each time you get one to go into the unsubscribe option and stop those emails coming through. That solution, like a lot of these solutions that are going to follow, are very small things in and of themselves. It may not feel like you're solving a great big problem by making these changes, but I promise you, the changes add up and they make a big difference. Now, in clearing your inbox... If you've got a task management system or a way of managing your activity, then move the emails that contain a task into that system. If you don't have a task management system, you can create a folder below your inbox and call it action, and then move all the emails that need you to do something into that folder, and then check that action folder every day until it's clear. Now, you need to be careful that that action folder doesn't become another inbox. If you want to keep emails for reference, I recommend keeping them all in the deleted folder. Outlook and Google have got excellent search functions to help you find them later. But if your email system doesn't allow you to keep deleted emails forever, you could consider creating a reference folder, but only if you must. And again, only make one folder 
not lots of subfolders. I'll explain why later. So that's how to get your inbox cleared to start. As I said, it's not vital to do that before we get into the tips, but it might be a great way to start as you mean to go on. Tip number one, frame of mind. Email is not your job. Processing lots of email doesn't mean that you're productive. If you think about it in terms of letters, if you run a business or you run a family or you manage a team in an office, letters are a way of communicating. And those letters contain all sorts of different stuff, don't they? They can have bills in them. They can have adverts. Sometimes they've even got nice, friendly content. But the first step is to think about email like letters. It's something to process quickly so you can get back to your job. Just like the old adage of opening your post over the waste paper basket, take the same approach to emails. They're a method of finding out what the task is that you have to do. They are not themselves the task. So, tip number one, frame of mind, email is not your job. Tip number two, processing versus reading. Reading emails is not doing anything. If you worked in customer services, your job is not to just listen to what the customer wants. Because what you've then got to do is you've then got to go and do something about it. And it's the same with email. You need to think about what the email is. What do you need to do? What does it mean? A great way to do this is to think about what is the verb? What's the action word? It could be call someone, research something, write something. So tip two, think clearly about what the email is asking you to do as a verb. And remember, that verb could be delete this email. Tip number three, the two-minute rule. Now, this is from GTD. If you can do the action or the verb in two minutes, do it there and then. If you can't do the action because it's a bigger task or you need input from someone, put it into a task management system. Now, we've featured GTD. You can use Todoist, Evernote, Wonderlist. There's loads out there. Remember, putting it into your system isn't doing the action. They are two different things. If you don't have a task management system, do something with the email. Put it into a calendar or you can print it and then have a working folder. Or as we've mentioned before, you can create an electronic folder called Action. Now, if you do that, the way I recommend that you manage it is forward the email back to yourself, but change the subject line. So instead of whatever the sender originally said, change the subject line to say what it is you need to do. So research the Smith project or call Lucy, and then put that into your Action folder and delete the original. So that way, when you come to do it, you don't need to waste time thinking about what it is that you've got to do. So tip three, if you can do the action in two minutes, do it. If you can't, put the email into an action process. Tip number four, notifications. Turn them off. Now this might sound like reverse logic, but trust me, research has shown that when you're concentrating, any distraction means it can take you up to 26 minutes to get fully concentrating back on the thing that you were doing. Now remember, just because the email is important to someone else doesn't necessarily mean it's important to you. It might be, but it's better to make that decision about how important it is when you're in email processing mode, not when you're in the middle of something else. So a better approach is to process your emails at set times of the day. You can do it three times a day at certain times. Um, I've tried using... 9 o'clock, 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock, that can work. Uh, you could do it once an hour. So you could be working for 50 minutes and then spend 10 minutes processing your emails. 
I get that if you're in customer services, for example, you can't do this. You know, you do have to be online and ready to respond to emails as they come in. But most of us aren't in that kind of environment. And even if this is the only tip that you can't put into practice, remember there are nine others. If you spent 30 minutes processing emails three times a day, you're still spending less time than that two hours minimum that the research says that we spend. Plus, you'll be completely clearing your inbox, you'll have clarity on what you're being asked to do, and you've got a spare half hour to go and do something else. How about a walk while you have a lunch? So, tip four, whatever flashing light, buzzer, beeper, whatever notification you have, turn them off and then process your emails with intention at given times in the day. Tip five, saving versus archiving. I see some people with loads of folders below their inbox. And when I ask them why, they say that it's to keep emails in case they need to refer to them later. Now, this idea sounds sensible until you scratch beneath the surface. And the conversation usually goes something like this. So, Steve, I see you've got lots of folders there below your inbox. Yeah, it's taken me ages to get them into order, but now they're all neat and tidy because I'm very organised. Excellent. And what are they all for? Well, I'm glad you've asked me. I'm going to tell you. Each time I get an email that I might need later, or um, if I've sent one that I might need to refer to later, then I put it in the relevant folder and I can find it when I need it. How often do you need to find one? Well, only yesterday I had to find an email that Martin sent me last month about the Newton project. Cool. Which folder was it in? Well, first I thought I'd put it in the Martin folder, but then I realised I'd actually put it in the Newton folder. So, But I sorted that out, because after I found it, then I made copies of some of the ones that apply to both and put them into each folder, so it'd be easier for me to find them later if I need them. Okay. And when was the last time you had to find an email to prove something? Well, quite often, probably every couple of months. And why can't you just delete all your emails and then search for them in your deleted folder when you need them? Well, how would I know where to find them if they're all mixed up? Uh, Well, if you had to do what you just talked about, you could search for Martin and Newton, and then it would show you all of the emails. Or you could search in your sent email. Yeah, but these folders, they're all in alphabetical order and by date, and they're numbered depending which department they relate to. Okay, and how many numbers do you have? Well, these ones go up to 11. Now, I know that drifted off a little bit at the end, but you get the idea. The search functions these days are so good, there really is no need to have all of these different folders, which, arguably, you spend more time sorting than any time that you actually save when you're looking for something. There are two folders I recommend you have below your inbox and they're coming up in the next tip. But tip five, get rid of the storage folder system that you've set up. I've yet to have anyone show me where it's ever really saved them any time. Tip six, action and awaiting response. As I've mentioned before, I have two folders in between my inbox and my archive and they're pretty self-explanatory. The action folder means I need to do something with this email. You can use it as a temporary storage for emails which need a bit of work before you can clear them, but you must be careful, as I said before, that it doesn't just become another inbox. If you can, clear it every day or as a minimum once a week. You can put things in here 
actions which are going to take longer than two minutes, but for some reason, they can't yet go into your task management system, or maybe you need to follow up with a colleague or get some more information. The second folder is a waiting response. So any email that you've sent, which means that you can't move on something until you've had a reply back, put the sent mail in here. This is a great way of keeping tabs and again, following up at an appropriate time. Again, make sure you clear this folder at least once a week. So tip six, two folders, action and a waiting response. Tip seven, challenge expectations. Right, now this one needs careful handling, but it's important. What is the worst that would happen if you didn't respond to an email? The key here is in thinking about your answer, separating actual consequences from your assumptions. So let's say you've still got the notifications things on and you get an email and you drop what you're doing to read it and it's someone asking for your view on something. When do you reply? Do you reply instantly? And if you do, is it because you know for a fact they need that opinion instantly? Or is it an assumption? Is it just a habit to reply instantly? And even if you think there's a genuine reason um, why they would need to know now, how much more important is that than whatever it was that you stopped doing to read the email? What I'm suggesting here is that we challenge assumptions. Just because it's convenient for someone to ask a question by email, does that automatically mean the person has the right to or that you should always drop what you're doing to read it? Now, as I said, you need to be a bit careful. If you suddenly stop replying to emails immediately, are people going to think that you're being rude now because this isn't how you used to be? So my suggestion here is to think about when you want to check in with email. Like we said before, maybe it's three times a day, every hour. And then communicate to people the reasons why. If this is a conversation with your boss, what might be helpful is to explain to them that you'd like to increase your productivity, but you've noticed that one thing impacting it is your own tendency to respond immediately to emails and ask them what they think is appropriate. How long do they think it should be before they get a response from you? If they feel like they're going to benefit from an increased level of productivity from you, you might get a surprisingly helpful answer. But you might not. And, you know, again, at least you understand where the expectations are. And again, the same applies to people that might report to you. So if you have a team that report to you, Make sure they know expectations. They're not mind readers and they might think you're just being rude or lazy. It's important also to make sure that they understand what your expectations are of them. Because again, they might assume that you want a response straight away or you want a response out of hours. But actually, if you don't need that, if that's not your expectation, telling them explicitly can remove an awful lot of stress. Make sure that people know if they need you urgently, they can call you. And this thing about emails out of hours, Merlin Mann makes a point that you wouldn't call a work colleague at nine o'clock on a Sunday night. Yet for some reason, it seems okay to send an email at that time and also expect a response. So ask the question, what is the expectation? You might find that actually it's us that makes the assumption about a need for an immediate response. People need to understand that in order for you to see that you've got an email from them, You've actually got to check every email you get and how late into the night do they really think that should last. Now clearly there is a balanced approach needed here and it won't be an easy solution for everyone but it's worth working on because it could be the key to getting back that one working day a month. Another option is to make careful use of the out of office service. Reminding the person that's emailed you 
that you won't be replying immediately as you're outside of your working hours. Now, of course, you can still choose to to respond if you want to, but it's about setting expectations. So, tip seven, challenge expectations, mainly yours, which brings me to tip eight. Tip eight, don't accept urgent requests by email just because it's email. So, for example, if it would be okay for Lucy from accounts to call you and ask you for a report by five o'clock on Friday, then that might be an expectation. But if it wouldn't be okay for her to call you and ask you for that, why would you do anything differently because she sent you an email with the same request? Now, again, I'm not advocating rebellion here, but just a balanced approach, keeping your email values consistent with your other working values. So tip eight, don't accept urgent requests by email just because it's email. Tip nine, I smile when I say this, send fewer emails. It is simple, this one, but you know it's often overlooked. The fewer emails you send, the fewer you'll receive. Now, again, where you draw the line is driven by the culture of where you work. Sometimes the niceties are better done in person or by phone. Do you need to send an email telling someone that you're going to do something? Or is it better to just do it and get a reputation for getting things done? Do you need to say thank you by email when a personal eye-to-eye thank you carries so much more weight? So, tip nine, send less and get less. Tip 10, reply all and CC. Does everyone on that distribution list need to see your replies? Do you need to copy additional people in to add weight to what you're saying? And just because someone else CC'd the whole world in, do you need to reply all? Again, sometimes you might do, but um, often you may only need to reply to one or two people. If Indeed, you need to make a reply. So tip 10, don't CCC or reply all if you can avoid it. The key things with all of these tips is about doing things with intention, challenging our routine, our normal approach and thinking a little bit more about getting off autopilot and thinking more carefully each time about what the best approach is. If you really had to write a letter, put it in an envelope, address it, stick a stamp on it and post it, would you be so free and easy to send it? So to summarise, tip one, frame of mind, treat email like post. It's a task to get done so you can get back to your job. It isn't your job. Tip two, process emails, don't read them. What's the verb? What's the action? Be clear on what you need to do and when and put it into a system. Tip three, the two minute rule. If you can complete the action in two minutes, do it. Tip four, notifications, turn them off and process your email at structured times in the day. Tip five, multiple folders, get rid of them. Tip six, set up two folders, action and awaiting response. Tip seven, challenge expectations, especially your own. Would you prefer to be someone who is productive or someone who's got a reputation for responding to emails? Tip eight, don't accept other people passing their urgency onto you. Make your own decisions about whether the content is important and or urgent And don't forget, there's a difference between those two things. Tip nine, send fewer emails. Think about other methods of communication. And tip 10, avoid CC and reply all unless you want 10 emails back for the price of one. If you do all of these together, 
you can actually get to the point where you completely empty your inbox every day. And it means that not only is your inbox empty, you're clear in your mind about what you need to do, there are no surprises, and you can start the next day with intention. Maybe we'll never get back to You've got mail. being a good news sound, but at least you can get back in control of your time. And if you get that half a day or a full working day a month back, what could you do with it? Well, that's the end of episode 20. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're not already a subscriber, head over to iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use and hit subscribe. If you don't use a podcatcher and you're listening via the website, if you click on the subscribe page, it'll take you to where you need to go. And that way you'll get a new episode fresh into your inbox as it comes out. I'm off. I'll see you next time for episode 21. And in the meantime, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person that you should aim to be better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye.